0: This is the Fertility Hour, where couples learn how to improve their fertility naturally. Join Charlene Lincoln as she interviews leading experts in the fields of natural fertility, holistic medicine, and preconception care. Fertility Hour is where you'll find evidence-based strategies, tips, and resources to help you when trying to conceive. And now, here's Charlene Lincoln. Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Fertility Hour. Uh, today, we have a very special guest, and um, get to know about her uh, in a minute. Um, Dr. Chris Gilbert, MD, PhD. She's a full time author and public speaker. Her books include The Listening Cure, Dr. Chris's ABCs of Health, and The French Stethoscope, a memoir. She's also a regular writer and blogger for psychologytoday.com. She was in private medical practice in Torrance, California, integrative medicine using a combination of homeopathy, acupuncture, gestalt therapy, bioidentical hormones, supplements, as well as conventional medicine. She did a surgical residency at Harbor UCLA and a medical internship at UC Irvine. Previously, she worked for Doctors Without Borders in Mozambique, Sri Lanka, Mauritania, and China, taking care of refugees. And before that, she had a private medical practice in Paris, France. She has an MD, PhD from the University of Cochon, Port Royal, in Paris, where she was born. Welcome, Dr. Chris. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Charlene. Absolutely, it's my pleasure. (laughs) So um, the way that I came about you is I heard about your book, The Listening Cure, and there was a doctor doing kind of an unconventional approach to medicine, a, a mainstream conventional medical doctor, which uh, I don't think that you're, you're mainstream or conventional at all, but that, the, the fact that you're an MD and you're doing kind of an unconventional approach. I read the book. I fell in love with you and the book, and it's just, you know, um, a tear comes to my eyes because I was like, well, God bless this woman. I mean, you were, I, I just, you know, can we, can we clone you? Because it's, you know, I, I'm just thinking there's so many people that um, they want to be emotionally vulnerable with someone that they trust, a medical doctor, and, time and time again, that they don't feel like they can be. And then they're kind of getting shut down. And I know it's not anything, you know, it's not to fault the doctors because they're kind of all in the system where it's like five to 15 minutes with a patient and things like that. A lot of things get over, um, get missed and things don't get communicated and um, heart to heart connections don't get made in that short amount of time. So um, I was just really... Um, I was touched by your book. So let's, you know, let's talk about it. Describe to us the unconventional way that you were treating your patients that you talked about in your book, The Listening Cure.
1: Yes. So, you know, I started as a conventional doctor doing what every other doctor does and prescribing medications. And, uh, but I went... uh, I I got into uh, cases where patients had a lot of symptoms and were referred by me by other physicians that could not cure their patients. Uh, So they had chronic fatigue or they had aches and pains. They had recurrent bronchitis, all the tests were normal, all the x-rays, all the... uh, blood tests, the examinations, everything was normal, and they couldn't find out what the origin of the problem was. So I had a bunch of people like this and I got to know them, and I started asking the question where does this come from? When did this start? Was there an event that started those physical symptoms? Was there an emotion that started those physical symptoms? And very often there was an event and there was an emotion. And was that emotion repressed? And very often it was repressed. So I allowed the person to talk about that emotion and the way to do this and my technique is to give the body a voice, give the symptom a voice, give the, if, if the person has pain in her knee or his knee, give the knee a voice. Uh, if it's a belly ache, give the belly a voice, the stomach a voice. And very quickly, I got to see that the body had a lot to say. That if I was asking the person to not talk about herself or or himself, basically, it's not me that's talking. It's just my body part. It's just my stomach that's talking. It's not me. The person had a lot to say. The body part had a lot to say. The pain had a lot to say. The fatigue had a lot to say, and that fascinated me, so I did that more and more with more and more patience, and I realized that when I was giving the body a voice or the body part a voice and associating this to an emotion, and I was letting the person um, have their emotion out in front of me, then the pain would decrease and the fatigue would decrease and the person would feel more energetic and would feel better. And ultimately it would little by little resolve the problem without any medication, uh, without any, any side effect of medication. Again, I'm, I'm so, I love conventional medication, just love it. But the problem is that there are like 1.3 million medical mistakes that are made every year in the United States uh, because people or doctors do have the wrong diagnosis or the right diagnosis but the wrong medication or the right medication at the wrong dose. And out of those, there's 400,000 Uh, people that are going to die every year in the United States because of a medical mistake so I I like to reflect and and to see how can I help the patient the best and for me the money was not important because I know for a lot of doctors they're timed they need to spend like five or ten minutes not more because otherwise they won't be paid for an office visit for me it was not that for me it was my satisfaction as a doctor that was important to be able to treat the patients and and receiving a letter or a card from a patient thanking me telling me that I changed their life was so rewarding much more than any kind of money that's Fueled me, and there are so many doctors that are suffering from stress also, mm-hmm. and and take medications themselves. Uh, that I didn't want to be one of those, and I could have been one of those during my training. My training was really hard at Harvard UCLA, for example, was a very hard. But I shied away from that.
0: That's beautiful. Um, in in your book, A Listening Cure, you you give you know, uh, uh, many examples of different patients that come in and, um, you address the issues of, of anger. Um, there's one that stands out for me, maybe a, a woman who was very frustrated in her marriage and she was having a lot of signs. Wasn't it wasn't the, the voice, the throat was very constricted, right? I mean, can you, is there of all the probably hundreds of people that you have treated and helped, can you Give us a, a, you know a story uh, that yeah. that really so
1: in each chapter of the book there's like only nine chapters, and in each chapter, I give stories of patients and I give I talk about their struggles and I talk about their symptoms and I talk about how I did step by step the work the detective work of finding what was wrong with them, studying the tone of their voice, studying the way they were holding their hands, the way they were holding their back, the way their belly was when I was palpating their belly, the way they were holding their feet. Um, so I, dis- I describe what's happening in my head uh, and how from just when I, a patient, a person enters my office, to like half an hour later, uh, I describe what's going on in my brain, literally, and how I find the way to help that person. And at the end of each chapter, there's a practical exercise that each person can do if they're sick, but also if they're not sick, that would prevent illness. Mm -hmm. Um, Just expressing their feelings, or there's a chapter on Drawing, uh, the, 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 there's an X-rated chapter on sex. There, there's a lot of different things that uh, I think can be very helpful. But I'll give you an example um, of a patient, for example, who came to see me because she had throat pain. And again, it's I've seen so many people with throat pain that nobody, no other physicians could find an answer for. And one of them, one of those throat pain patients, when I asked her what happened just before the throat pain started, and again, the blood test was normal, when we were looking at her throat, everything was normal, the CT scan was normal, everything was normal. So when I asked her what happened, Uh, Just before the the, the symptoms started, she said, well, I had a feeling that my husband was having an affair, but I confronted him and he admitted that he was having an affair, but he said, no, no, don't worry. You have nothing to worry about. I'll love you. I'm going to break up with that person and it will be just like before because I really want to stay married to you. And so nothing to worry about. But inside of her, there were two parts there were a part of her that really was very, very angry and frustrated. It's like, how could he do this to me? How could he have an affair on me? It's, you know, I should, I cannot, I don't deserve that. And I'm so angry at him, I could beat him up. I just, I, and then there's another side of her that was, Again, she was uh, uh, working at the front desk of an office, and she needed to be pleasant and smile in front of people and for family and friends. And she had to keep this anger, this bottled in anger, inside of her because she couldn't express it. And there was a tug of war inside of her throat. A part of her wanted to scream with anger, and the other part of her needed to suppress that and and smile and say nothing. And that was the origin of muscle spasms inside her throat. And that was the origin of the pain. Mm. So my way of, of treating her was to have her express this anger. So my way of doing things in the office is I put a lot of pillows on a examination, on my examination table, and I ask the patient to do as if those pillows were her husband, for example, and beat the pillows up and scream at those pillows and get the anger and frustration out this way. <clears throat> and uh, by doing that, Usually that tension goes away and the symptom gets better. The pain gets better. But there are other ways of expressing anger and frustration. Sometimes people like to write in a diary. Uh, Sometimes people like to sing. To sing when I was... I had a problem myself when I was stressed out. And I I went to my car every day, and I created songs from scratch. I created lyrics, I created scores in my head, and I would scream from the top of my lungs in my car and and scream my emotions out. And and that was very effective just by singing my anger, singing my frustration. Sometimes I sing my happiness, sometimes I sing my fear, and I, I tell my patients, try it, because it, it's, it's spectacular what can happen, it's a relief to do this, but people can also dance their emotions out, uh, dance the frustration, dance the anger, dance the fear, whatever comes to the body, it's the body that expresses it. Uh, again, I tend to favor more what the body says rather than what the mind says, because the mind has a lot of shoots um, and taboos, and whereas the body isn't just primal, and I like to give a voice to the body. But it could also be drawing, draw your emotions out, draw whatever is in your emotion. And also it could be physical exercise, go to the gym, uh, get a punching ball and and boxing gloves. And if you're very angry, punch this ball with boxing gloves and get the anger out this way. Uh, It could also be meditation. Some people like just being quiet and meditate. Some other people like Reiki. Uh, So whatever works for the person, some people like yoga. Uh, some people like hypnosis, whatever works for the person, as long as the person feels that whatever is bottled in as an emotion gets out. Because whatever is bottled in, if it stays bottled in and cannot get out, could harm the owner. Do do you think that people, though,
0: should originally start with asking the question because, because I kind of loved that, you know, I mean, I did that for myself the other day and it reminded me a little bit about when you take your non-dominant hand and you journal and quite a different conversation comes out, doesn't it? Um, then, you know, say you're right-handed, you use your left hand and you go, Oh, these thoughts are really coming from a deeper place. And so, uh, you know, when I was asking questions of the different organs, you're like oh that's kind of surprising and that's very insightful. So I, I mean I guess I would feel like if people start with that it's it's a great starting off point and then yes uh huh um, you know I wanted to you had mentioned that doctors would refer patients to you where there was um, no known cause for whatever was going on with them but I just want to clarify but if you have a disease where there is a known cause then this would also be very beneficial as well, right? If you, if you did have a blood test and it showed X, Y, and Z, or, or whatever the case may be.
1: Um, as long as the disease is treated appropriately. Because okay. if there is a disease, uh, it needs to be, very often it needs to be treated with the conventional medications, conventional doctor. I want to be very careful because if people, for example, have a chest pain Mm -hmm. and if there is something abnormal in their heart, Mm -hmm. then they need to go to see a cardiologist, they need to have a stent placed in. They've got to be careful uh, to make sure that the right alarm is set. If there is really something wrong with them they need to address that. Or if there is cancer, it's a pain from cancer that needs surgery, chemotherapy, radiation. And in addition, yes, we can do give the body a voice. Uh, If the person has chest pain, if the person takes the right medications, has a stent placed in, uh, has cardiac surgery, at the same time, yes, we can do give the heart a voice or give the body part a voice. But I, I, I want to say that it doesn't replace, whenever there's a real disease that we find that something is really abnormal, mm-hmm. the giving the body a voice does not replace the primary treatment. It goes along with it, though. You can, you can give it together, yes.
0: So... um our audience is uh, primarily women. I hope some men are, are listening, but um, that are you know, challenged with fertility issues. And so when I was reading your book, I was thinking, and um, you know, in, in many times it's unexplained infertility, which is a frustrating diagnosis, but how, can you give us an example of how you would use the listening cure um, when someone doesn't know, what's, you know what exactly is the issue of why they can't get
1: pregnant? A lot of studies show that uh, many infertile women or couples have a lot of stress, and uh, there again, there are several studies that show that. So, is it are they stressed out because they cannot get pregnant, or are they not being able to get pregnant because they're stressed out, mm-hmm. or is it a loop like? they start being stressed out and there there's too much stress and then they cannot get pregnant and then they become stressed out because they cannot get pregnant which increases the stress mm-hmm. and then they become really really stressed out even more and that's a, a a loop that is hard to get out of so i like to um it's I like to address the stress, it's always a good bet that somebody is going to be stressed out and if the person decreases their stress, they might be able to get pregnant. Um, So the way to decrease the stress is to ask the body part what, to ask their uterus, for example, what is happening? What is the feeling? To ask their ovaries, what is the feeling? Give a voice to their uterus, their ovaries, give a voice to their heart, give a voice to their belly, to their stomach. And sometimes there's also two different parts of a person. There is a part of a woman that would love to get pregnant. And there's another part of her that will be scared of getting pregnant. So I like to give also those different parts of voice Mm -hmm. and have what I I talk, uh, I present as an inner group therapy, except that instead of having different persons, we've got different organs or different parts of the person. And to me, it's just fascinating once we open that door to see how many different parts we can have. Again, it could be the part of us that really wants to get pregnant, the part of us that is scared, what's going to happen once we are pregnant? Uh, But it could be also uh, the heart part, that my heart needs a voice because I'm stressed out at my job or I'm stressed out in my relationship with my husband or the uterus will have a voice and say, well, how is it going to be uh, if I get pregnant? Am I going to get dilated? And how, how am I going to react if I'm dilated? And, and get into uh, how it's going to be with that organ, the uterus, to be dilated and how um, amazing it's going to be to be, get pregnant and how uh, d- people can distress and relax thinking about that. Some other people, it might do the opposite, it might stress them out, but there's so many people that are so different. Each person is a, a different individual and that's why I, I think it's fascinating to see how um, each person reacts.
0: Absolutely. Um, you know, when I was um, reading your book kind of I don't know if my mind just works this way, but I think a lot of people there's sort of like a little bit of a judgment when when um, you are reading someone's book and then you think to yourself, well, but what hardship has this person really gone through? Where they've had to, I guess, um, you know, really utilize these tools because it's easy to write theoretically about it. And you can see patients and kind of be a little bit, you know, separated from their pain but when you go through your own experience and you use it, so have you ever had a life experience where you really had to put these tools to the test? Um, oh, many,
1: say. many times, many uh-huh. times. I use this, see, I, I don't usually recommend anything to my patients unless I have experienced it myself, okay. because then I can talk, uh, I can really talk about it. Um, so there are many, many times, for example um, well I describe that my my late husband now i 'm happily remarried. Uh, with the person, Dr. Eric Haseltine, who is a neuroscientist. Yes. Thank you. And he's the co-author of my book. So he's actually explaining why my techniques work in a neuroscience point of view. Uh, so we've been uh, remarried for 10 months and we're doing speeches together and all over the world. And it, it's it's all the fun. But before, so I'm a widow. And my late husband died of um, brain cancer eight years ago. And when he was fighting against uh, cancer, and and it was very hard for me to help him and to see how badly he was feeling, then it was very, very stressful for me. So as I describe, I would go down to my car and just scream in my car (laughs) and just the fact of screaming in my car and and being angry at the world and being angry at how can somebody anybody do this to my husband and and just just screaming with anger would really relieve my stress and would make me much more peaceful also i would you know, as I said, I would also dance, I danced my feelings, I danced my anger, I danced my frustration. And it was very helpful. I also did drawings, I drew my anger. um, And afterwards, uh, that now what I do is I draw, I draw my happiness and I I sing my happiness and I uh, dance my happiness. So all those tools, I have used them. I'm still using them on, a, on a, an almost everyday basis. Not, not that much every day, but whenever I need it, I, I, I do use them. And they're spectacular. I mean, that's how I stayed off antidepressants at the time where it was very, very difficult for me, or anti-anxiety medicines, uh, just by doing that. Mm-hmm. Just by doing that, I have a a little video on my website, uh, which is called "Scream of Stress," which I um, I made. It's a very amateur video. I don't know if you saw it. It's 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 a it's a video of uh, I see I say when I visit. Uh, When when people visit their in-laws or when they visit people that stress them out a lot uh, in order to remain very calm, they like, uh, I recommend that they take a break. And I I demonstrate it, that they take a break, they say, oh, you know, I forgot something in my car. Let me just take a look. I'll be back just in a few minutes. So I go to my car and I show how, then I scream in my car. I roll up all the windows, "Ah!" and I scream the stress out. And then I feel much better. And then I come back to see the family members so that I can be very pleasant. So, Hi, how are you? It's so nice to see you. What can I do to help? But no, I definitely
0: have to watch that. <laughs> so it's you acting. In- it's me
1: acting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's nice. But, but it's, it's something I have recommended to my patients because sometimes they get into very stressful family reunions. And instead of, of uh, exploding in front of family members or being angry in front of people, it's much more helpful to just um, go take a little break, go to their car, scream, and then that's it. So yeah, little tool. Uh, I think that's
0: helpful and, and definitely uh, f- for the holidays, pull up that video. For the holidays, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, a couple questions, suppress negative feelings. What if someone's listening, I mean, this is what happens more and more as we get a little bit disconnected with ourselves. I mean, even you can ask someone, Oh, how, you know, are, are you, are you going through a lot of stress? No, not really. I'm feeling fine, which I want you to talk about that acronym. I'm feeling fine um, because we're just told kind of to, you know, put on a game face soldier on. And so you're a little bit, you get disconnected, but how does one know that they're suppressing negative feelings?
1: A person does not really know, because it's common. Mm-hmm. Everybody does. And, and that's how we kind of raise kids. And, and for women that, that are listening, after, <laughs> after, um, they, after listening to this video, and if they managed to get pregnant, thanks to my exercises, when they have their children i would recommend that they they know how to allow their children to express their feelings because it comes from childhood uh, our parents have always said no 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 you cannot you cannot cry or you cannot express your anger or no it's not you know you, you need to calm down but so it comes from that that we've learned to repress our feelings and not say anything, whereas I think if the feeling is very intense, it is healthy to let it out in a healthy environment, in a secure environment. So if a child has a lot of anger or a lot of sadness, to have the child put on you know, boxing gloves and, and punch uh, a, a, a punching ball to get the anger out and not stay with that, just like we were taught, like I know I was taught as a child to not be angry, to always be pleasant, to uh, not show my my negative, so-called negative feelings. and. Uh, and that has been like this for most of my childhood and adolescent life, and that was not healthy for me. I needed to express it, but nobody showed me how to express it in a safe way, and I learned it by myself, and And I realized that it it it's so liberating, and it changes the whole, it, it changes the physical symptoms. You know, I, 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 I used to have Cramps in my legs, so I used to have pain in my in my knees when I was walking too fast. Or, uh, but those are all due to stress. So, the, for the listeners, uh, the symptoms would be aches and pains, back pain, recurrent bronchitis, uh, recurrent um, infections of some kind, of, um, depression fatigue, the headaches. There is a lot of different symptoms, uh, y- you name it, really. And people don't pay attention to those because it's so common. Everybody has those. So what? What's new? You know. But it, it is not. It, it shouldn't be. And you need to pay attention to what the body is saying because if the body is feeling fatigued, the, fo- the body is getting sick, like recurrent bronchitis, that means there's something wrong, the body is weak. What happens when there is stress is that we have stress hormones that are secreted. Those stress hormones are cortisol, and that will decrease our immune system, so we'll get sick more easily or we'll heal less easily. And also, adrenaline is another uh, stress hormone which will make our heart beat faster. Our blood pressure get higher, uh, so and the, the, all those stress hormones. There's stress hormones that will prevent us from being pregnant, also. So uh, I want to emphasize how important it is to decrease those stress hormones.
0: So, so basically, to get back to the question, if if someone is wondering, am I suppressing emotions? Well, if you're having signs and symptoms like the aches and pains, recurrent infections, then usually there is that emotional core, right? Mm-hmm. That is involved. Um, I know because you study acupuncture and I'm an acupuncturist. Yes. Um, back, you know, thousands of years ago in traditional Chinese medicine, they said um, emotional imbalances are the root of all diseases. Exactly. And, and now it's taking Western medicine quite a long time to sort of catch up to that, but the mind body Connection um, is is becoming you know kind of talked about more and uh, acknowledged, which is a very good thing. Um,
1: Yes, because you cannot. It's hard to separate. I mean, usually when you go to your primary care physician. The primary care physician is going to give you a medication. You're going to say, oh, I have you know, recurrent bronchitis or I have a body pain. It's going to give you uh, an anti-inflammatory or uh, an antibiotic. But the, pers- the, the physician is not going to ask you, well, what triggered that? Why are you sick? Why did you get sick? You know, why is your immune system not strong enough? And that's what you need to ask yourself is Why? And usually there's an emotion and usually it's either anger or frustration or sadness or fear. Sometimes it's fear. Um, Rarely excitement and happiness because we tend to express those. But um, I, I like to tell my patient that they can express whatever emotion there is in there. And they're not used to that. And by expressing their emotion, they're discovering what the emotion, what kind of emotions they have. And I love seeing them discover their own emotions because very often they're not aware of that.
0: You talk about it in the book:
1: um, symptoms of unhappiness. They will not feel energetic uh, again. They will it could be sexual problems also. They will uh, not be able to enjoy sex. Uh, They will. uh, And again, I talked about recurrent bronchitis. I talk about belly ache. That could be a, a symptom of unhappiness of belly cramps, because again, the gut has neurons also lots of neurons. So if, if, if you're stressed out, the gut is going to be the first one to to know it, but, and it will give you cramps. Uh, again, the gut is primal, and since it's got as many neurons as uh, the monkey of a brain of uh, the brain of a mon- of a monkey, it's going to let you know right away what's happening. So you'll probably have a stomach pain or a belly cramp uh, before you're going to feel unhappy. Usually it's the body knows it before you, you, you're you going to say I have a, people say I have a gut feeling. Mm-hmm. That means it goes to the gut first and then it goes to the brain. Mm-hmm. But usually it's the gut that's first. You feel like sque- uh, queasy in the gut. And that's usually a symptom of unhappiness. And that's the first one usually that that is alerted. And that's really telling. I mean, you think about
0: uh you know, I mean, a medication like Prilosec or something. I mean, there, there's, I mean, is that like the number third or fourth prescribed medication in America? It's like treating gut disorders. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, um, so anyways, if we could have a different conversation with the gut instead of, um, perhaps medicating it first, it would tell us a lot about yes. our, how we're kind of going through our lives. Now, um, you, you do go through an exercise at the, at the end of the chapters. Is there a way that we could go through one before?
1: Um... Yes. And actually, uh, or also if you are open, I, okay. can, I can do that with you too. That'd be great. Um, so, and we can do a little, I don't, well, I don't know. If you have aches and pains or if you have belly pain, or, but, no, but everybody can give a voice to their different organs. So we'll, mm-hmm. we'll do a little exercise about uh, giving the body parts of voice. So I'm going to ask you and uh, the listeners also to give uh, me a couple of deep breaths.
0: Okay, and right before I do that, um, I want to say, if you enjoy our podcast, Please support us and subscribe to the podcast. That would be wonderful. And we'll continue to bring on wonderful guests like Dr. Chris. And um, also uh, please tell us how to find out more about you and your work. Oh yeah.
1: So you can go to my website, uh, www.drchrisgilbert.com. Uh, it's a dr. So drchrisgilbert.com. Uh, drchrisgelbert.com and you'll find my books there find my speeches you'll find my little videos uh, you'll find an audiobook. i made an audiobook with my husband also with my voice uh, uh, about uh, the the listening cure and so again you can listen to one chapter every night before going to sleep and at the end of each chapter you can do the little exercise and you'll feel yourself in a different world, exploring a completely different world that you had no idea existed. And uh, it's going to transform you. It's transformative.
0: Because mm-hmm. there's so
1: many things that we don't talk about. That, that uh, This is new. This is very, very new.
0: Okay. So um, if you are listening, and for myself, I'm, I'm going to take some nice... Deep breaths. Couple of deep breaths.
1: And I'll do the same thing too. And another one. Now focus your attention on your belly and focus your attention on your stomach. If your stomach had a voice what would it say? Like, would it say, I'm hungry? Would it say, I ate too much? Would it say, oh, I ate just the right foods or I ate the wrong foods or I'm happy or i distended? What would it say? So well, I'll ask the listeners to do this at the same time and you can do this too at the same time. I mean, you can do this live if you want. And then Mm -hmm. the listeners will do this at the same time.
0: It's saying I'm a little
1: distended. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's saying then I'm distended. And if it was going to say, to mention a, a reason, like I'm going to say, it's not Charlene that's talking. It's just Charlene's stomach. Not her, just her stomach. So Charlene's stomach if there was a reason why you're distended, what, what is inside of you? Tell me what's inside of you, Charlene's stomach, for it to be distended. Charlene decided to put a,
0: a, um, a kind of a weird combination of food in me.
1: Okay. And so it's that particular combination of food that's making you distended, right, mm-hmm. stomach?
0: And a little, uh, and, and I'm, I'm feeling a little anxiousness in the background. Yeah.
1: Okay. So a little anxious and a little strange combination of food that's making you distended stomach, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So if you had a, um, a message stomach to give to Charlene to let her know what you stomach, want her to do uh, the next time, what would you tell her? I would tell
0: Charlene she's been telling me that she's going to give me a break like uh, doing... Uh, bone broth that she's been talking about, and I could really use that. I could just use a break from just the normal diet and just, yeah, I could use a break for a couple days.
1: Okay. So, so uh, stomach, I hear you say you need a break. You want to, you, you want to be away from food. Just, just, just the broth and you'll feel so much better. And you're, you're asking Charlene to do that, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. That's perfect. So the, then we'll see. So each listener is going to have their own experience, and again, the question that I like to ask, I like to create a dialogue, just like we just did, between the stomach and the owner, and the, and then the the stomach will tell the owner what it likes or what what it wants, and then the owner. Uh, it's great when the, the owner listens and then gives the stomach what the stomach wants. And then the relationship uh, makes, will make uh, the owner so much, feeling so much better. So that's an example. Now uh, we can go through any organ like this. We can go through, we can talk to the back, like Charlene's back. And so now focus on, th- so another deep breath And we'll ask the listeners to do the same thing in a deep breath and focus on your back. The lower back or the upper back, whatever part of the back wants to talk. And if that part of the back had a voice, what would it say? I feel great. Okay. So so now I'm going to ask the lower back. So your lower back feels great. Mm -hmm. So, the lower back says, oh, I feel great. So now I want to have the lower back tell Charlene why it feels great. What did Charlene do that was right for it so that it feels great? And what, what does it have to be thankful for?
0: It has to be thankful for being strong and supportive of Charlene and, um, She's Charlene's been taking care of me and in, in doing just more breathing exercises and just being a little easier on herself and mm-hmm. so my muscles are relaxed.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly, perfect. So again. This doesn't have to be See, this is a positive feedback. It doesn't have to be a negative feedback, it can be positive. And by experiencing each body part, and some of them have negative feedback and have things to say that want change. And some other ones are very happy. And by listening to those happy parts of the body, it's going to make you feel more empowered as a whole person. To be in tune, but the, the my main thing is to be in tune with those body parts, and the persons so the, the 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 women that are listening to us, if they want to again take a deep breath and and now give their uterus a voice you know, and if their uterus had a voice, what would it say, and what does it want, and what is it afraid of? And, you know i don't know if you want to do that exercise i mean it's also different but that's where we could go to and that's what mm-hmm. we we could do in uh, in everybody or oh, give the ovaries a voice or give the lungs a voice if your lungs had a voice what would they say would they say oh i i'm inhaling some very healthy air or, or I'm, I'm in my car a lot, and I'm breathing a lot of exhaust gases because I'm driving so much. Uh, what would they say, and what would they ask also?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, this is, this, that's the kind of uh, a thing that is very interesting to do and, and being in touch with. Because all those different organs have nerve, their own nerving, nerve system a neural system and they're dependent on the other ones, but they're also some kind of, they have some kind of independence from the other one. So- Dr.
0: Chris, um, I'm just gonna say it because maybe someone is thinking it, they could be going, this sounds just kind of silly, but I just, um, I challenge you if you're feeling that way, It sometimes the resistance to it is, um, you're trying to protect yourself from feeling a vulnerability and and in touch with your emotions. So if you're feeling that, because sometimes I can, you know, I love touchy feely type stuff, but I can sometimes feel embarrassed of certain exercises, but then I implore you to really do it because your resistance to it is part of the exercise. You need to explore that resistance. What's, what's behind there. Um, you might be very surprised and, um, And really, like, of course, doing this on air, but, you know, I've asked myself some questions. I sometimes have energy issues where it goes up and down, and I I really talked to myself the other day, and some interesting things came up for me, and my energy levels shifted, and I never really approached it that way. And, of course, when a person's emotion, when someone's struggling with their energy, you can really get stuck on, it's my adrenals, it's my thyroid, it's this, but what's what's the drain on that? Is it some repressed anger that you're having some fear because um, it could be yes, and I think i I don't think that there's any type of endocrine issue or adrenal issue that doesn't have an emotional factor. I just don't believe that that's
1: well there is a a a hereditary factor, so there is something that's genetic okay, so some people have. Uh, a weakness that is genetic, but when there is stress on top of that the the weakness gets even more, so uh, yes, they do need to decrease the stress so, but there are so many different factors: uh, the genes, the environment, what are they exposed to are they you know i, I don 't like them to, for example drink water from plastic bottles that stayed mm-hmm. in the sun, in their car that has been heated. Uh, I wanna be very, very careful with plastics um, and the liquids that have stayed a long time in plastics. Oh, yes. Uh, I wanna be very careful with uh, people that um, uh, <laughs> cook a lot and, and stay, There are cooks that stay, in front of uh, you know, smelling or breathing in oils when they're cooking a lot. So I want to make sure that the people stay away. They don't cook all the time or very often with their nose uh, that breathes the oils. Uh, I want to make sure that they're not in a very polluted environment where, where they stay in their car, they, they breathe exhausted, they're in their car. Uh, they, I want them to turn the vents off so that they, they don't inhale all the outside air if people are bumper to bumper. Uh, you, some people are exposed to secondhand smoke. Well, not as much now anymore. So I, I, I wouldn't want people to drink alcohol or against smoke. Uh, so there there are environmental issues, there are genetic issues, and there are stress issues. And there it's a combination of all of those. That's why things are not that simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why it takes skill to determine what's wrong or what can be improved for each person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, need to, you need a checklist, they need a checklist. Really.
0: Absolutely, and, and all those things that you mentioned, we, we um, do a very good job at educating our audience on all of that, so this is just another piece, yes. um, another tool in the toolbox um, yes. that, you, that yes. you can implement. Yes. Um, I, I've enjoyed our conversation so much, and I, I feel like you're really going to, you know, help um, people that are listening. I appreciate it. And um, her, her book is The Listening Cure. It's it's a wonderful, it's a beautiful read, and you'll get a lot out of it, I promise you. Um, and so um, tell us, it's drchrisgilbert.com, uh, DR, so is the doctor part. Um, you know, please... Please find out more about her and her books. Thank you, Dr. Chris. Um, Thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Charlene. Thank you. All right. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. You too, too. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Fertility Hour. For being one of our loyal listeners, we would like to give you free access to a special report called Restore Your Fertility Naturally. Inside, you'll learn about an 8-step, all-natural process that's helped hundreds of couples conceive. This is one of our most popular reports, and you can get free access by going to fertilityhour.com forward slash report. Again, that's fertilityhour.com forward slash report. Go there now, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Fertility Hour.